this morning. The title of this morning is Dealing with the Rubble in Our Lives. Today we're going to share our journey about the rubble and how to start to see it and deal with it in ourselves, our families, so that we can run our race. One of the uh, Pastor Tony in 2016 taught the house and took the issues of building the walls and walking through the ancient pathways. One of the aspects that leapt out for us <coughs> when it came to me and Andy and our family, I'm already panicking, <laughs> was the scripture um, Nehemiah 4:10. Where it says, when the people of Judah began to complain, the work is getting tired and there is so much rubble to remove. But we can't move the rubble by ourselves. Okay. The, the, the parts that Pastor Tony spoke about were mainly on the societal, societal aspects of rubble. Whereas what we're going to be speaking about this morning is how it aspects um, to ourselves, to our families, and to how we interact with the kingdom. Okay, so it's a much wider, uh, much wider, more personal aspect of the rubble. Now, what we want to know about, first of all, is we see rubble generally as a failure, right? Because... And, and Z, if you can now put this slide up. <laughs> Is he gone? Oh, it doesn't matter. Does, doesn't matter. It's generally seen to be a choice of either poor building or it's seen to be a bit of a wreck, a bit of a disaster. And the problem is, is that we often see that, that we often don't see, in fact, that sometimes rubble is there deliberately made because it's been a choice that we've done. If you're going to make an extension to your house, generally speaking, you're going to get rubble because somebody's got to cave in. Something's got to be changed in your own fabric of your own building. So it's not always poor building. And it's not always just because of a tax on our lives. Because we see in, in the context of Nehemiah, there was rubble there because the people had failed to you know, sort of defend the walls correctly against the enemy, and the enemy knocked it down. So in the context of a spiritual sense, what we look at is that the enemy is attacking our lives the, evil, the, the, the enemy of our soul attacks our lives and breaks through into areas. Okay. So what we have to do, though, is to, is to look and see whether or not we've got rubble there as a result of enemy attacks or a result of something that we've chosen to do. Right? It's as simple as that. It can be caused also, right, what's caused the enemy to get to us. It could be disappointment. It could be despair. It could be hurt. It could be regrets and indecisions. There's a lot of things that can happen at any point in our lives that could take us right out with the race and prevent us from completing our destiny. We've all seen rubble around building sites, and we all look at it and go, what a mess. But it's not always what it just seems. Within rubble, there is often very big pieces that are reusable. And it could be big pieces of stone. It could be big pieces of wood. It could be all sorts of stuff. It's not just dust, although that has to be said, it is there. And it looks, it looks a mess. 
And when you first look at it, as you see in Nehemiah, it can be very off-putting. It can be very dispiriting. But that's not necessarily the way that we should look at it. It may be that it's perfectly good material. That, for example, has been associated with poor material and the good's been brought down with the bad. All right? Like, kind of don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah? Let's see the good and the bad. If you look at that, that's an example of real rubble. That's a massive wall in China. That's the Great Wall of China. That took a bit of a hit. I think, in fact, that was an earthquake rather than an enemy attack. But you can see, would you like to deal with that? I would like to deal with it. But, you know, when you can see the big pieces there, they'll be reused. Why don't you reuse it? Don't just... And the other thing as well is that, thinking about rubble, if you're not going to reuse it, what are you going to do with it? Somebody's got to cart it away. It's so much more efficient to deal with what you can see. The other thing as well is that if we do not deal with it, you're going to live with it forever and ever and ever. And that, if I had to live with that, do I think I can continue to do what I am called to do by God, which is building new walls, building extensions from a family, building, build, you know, would I be trusted to build something else? Would I trust myself to build when I've got that to deal with? No. It's got to be dealt with. So, is it a good thing or a bad thing? Well, the point is, is that we see it like that as a bad thing, but we should really try and look at it in a more positive light. At the end of the day, that is a great opportunity for recycling. Okay? Some of it, yeah, is going to be shoved into the bin. That's fine. But that's because there is really nothing else left for it. If you go nowadays to the skip when you've been doing work in the house, there's a container there for hardcore and rubble. It's called that. And what, does that, what happens then? It gets sold back round to builders who use it to, pour in, to put into foundations. It's as simple as that. And it gets compressed down. Now, if we don't actually look about it, it's, it's also, when you're thinking about the things that Phil spoke about last week, he spoke about sound mind. He spoke about emotional stability. He talked about possessions. There were seven aspects he, told, he talked about. And we're not going to go into that. But what I'm saying is that to get to the point where you have a maturity or a wealth experience in those areas, you will have gone through a lot of hard knocks. There's a lot of experiences in there. But it would be wrong to throw away the good parts. When those experiences happen, it would be just so wrong to throw away that experience and bin it. Because that's what helps. I mean, every, and Phil will say, every single man that's been like a, mul- a self-made millionaire will have been bankrupt at least once or twice. It's a fact. So you have to take it as it is. What we are looking at as well is that in the stages of that pastor's talking about now, you know, the originations, the destruction, the restoration, the destination. Every single one of those, to a degree, is an ongoing process. There will always be refinement. There will always be changes. And as we talk through what we're going to talk about today, you'll see how there are changes that you want to make because you need to make, changes that you want to make, not because you, you want to. It's a maintenance thing. Sometimes it's a maintenance thing, and sometimes it's an extension. But there will be rubble. And that's how we get to win where we are in our destiny. Dealing with the rubble is a core process in completing our, our kingdom life. So let's have a look at the stages that we do go through. First of all, when, we, when, we're, little, when we're little, 
right? And we start toddling around. We fall over and things happen. And we start thinking, I'm not going to do that because I get hurt if I do that. Or I'm not going to do that. And as we get older, we get told off. We start building defences. You know, kids at school may jeer at us or... I'm going to wear 15 different pairs of pants and I'm going to wear these big strong boots because I don't want to get the big lads. You build defences around you. Mm -hmm. But at some point, you have to let other people in. Or it becomes a cell. You've built a nice wall around you that's protecting you. But you either let people in or you die alone. Mm -hmm. And you never, ever go out because you feel frightened, because you feel secure in your defences. So you have to make a decision whether you want to make way or not. So you can't let, even at an early age, hurt and disappointment keep you down. You've got to move on. You've got to move out. You've got to let those changes occur. So the first one, generally speaking, is like we want to get married. We want to let someone else into our heart and they want for the sake of argument and they want the same that's nice isn't it so together you have to start creating the two become one so here am i with my defenses and they're sure with her defenses so what we're going to do there's two ways of doing it we either eventually knock a few bricks around make a big pile of rubble and become one or I stay over here, she'll stays over there, and we have a bit of a corridor between us. What do you want? It's up to you. Well, that's the way, that's the way it works. And some of that is, is not easy. The, 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 the areas we found is this, is the fact that, you know, when you get married, and you kind of, oh, yeah, I want, I want to be with her forever and ever, and, and we get married, and it's all lovey-dovey, isn't it, for that <laughs> one week. <laughs> one week. We came back off the honeymoon, and two days later, I had a pair of scales slammed on my head. Because we didn't agree, because there was something that we found that was a cause in a rubble. In other words, I wanted to, we'd invited somebody around for tea, right? So another couple that was engaged, because we do that, don't you? And I wanted to do one thing for food, and she wanted to do another, and eventually neither of us gave way, so it was head to head. Tower of power, and I lost, of course. <laughs> As I have been doing for the last 40 years, but that's life. <laughs> but there you go. But the, near, the bigger challenge, well, for us in, in, in our lives, and I dare say it will be for you, is when you decide to let Christ in. Because he's not going to be, well, he is gentle. He's always gentle. But he's going to want to make changes. And do we let him make those changes? And when? <clears throat> he will point out where the areas are not right. He will have no problem in making holes if we let him right to the very core of our heart. He's allowed, we've allowed the Holy Spirit in, but we are, will we allow the, the rest of Christ in? Will we allow him in in the fullness that he speaks about? I know for many, many years I didn't. There were areas in my life that you can go there, but you can't go there. Right? And what happens? I'm unfulfilled. And the kingdom doesn't progress. So we all lose that. So you have to make those, those real decisions as to how to do that. All right? Now, you, over a period of 40-odd years, I've known Christ. That process is still ongoing. But I know now how to deal with it. 
when he comes with it and says, Andy, I really rather think you better look at that. And I think what's been said in the house over the last few years has been brilliant for that. Because it has actually meant that we've got to get together a bit more intimately, a bit more transparently. Right? We have to let people in and out. But generally, the other major changes in life is, is when we have kids, isn't it? Because whether we like it or not, they are going to want access into us and we want at the earliest possible opportunity to get them out. <laughs> but nonetheless, so you know, you've started off with your tower, you've made it a bigger tower. You don't necessarily want to make it an even bigger tower with the kids, but you generally do. What you probably want to do is, as the kids, you've got to give the kids access to the, into your life, but you've got to let them build their own walls. You've got to let them fail. This is a part of life, isn't it? So what you do is you give them access into you, so you, you, you have a, a wall that is there, and they build their little tower over there as they grow up and they get independent, and you put a wall between it so that you can get in and out and you can do it safely. And that's how you start to build your legacy. That's how you start to build along the pathway for Christ. But what we do is every change that happens means that there's more to look after means that there's more to watch over, means that there's more sacrifice to be made. And every single one of those changes causes rubble, causes some, discon you know, some sort of discomfort, if you wish. So the question is, how do we deal with that? Okay. So the first thing we have to do is stand back and really take a good, hard look, an honest view of your life and the, see the possible areas of where rubble may become. The quicker we recognize the rubble, to move to the point where we can start to deal with it under our feet. This is hard, it's not easy, and we're often, we're so busy that we either choose to, we don't see it, we don't recognize it, or we just ignore it, or we don't want to. This can be really difficult, especially when we're young and we're immature. So sometimes it can be a good idea to allow others close to us, those who we fight and work with daily, to speak into our lives, to help us identify the patches of the rubble. Once we have admitted that the part of our life that we can see has rubble, then we can look and really examine the rubble. These could be things that may be very hurtful or painful or even think about, but they need to be looked at for they can be examined. So one of them could be disappointment for the things that have happened and that we've tried to smooth them or ignore them. There was a spate where me and Andy started to go out of the house more and go for a brew. And we found that when we did this, we had more interesting conversations, more fruitful, more dynamic. We spoke more about Christ in a much better way than we did if we were at home because it was a spate when our house was constantly busy. So we found it as giving us a breather 
to just get out, go for a brew and start talking. And it was during one of these conversations that God revealed something to me. And where I first saw it was an advert where there was a, like a clear glass like this, a clear glass screen. And what he showed me was that something might happen over here in my life. And I thought, right, I need to deal with that. But then something down here, like the family, or somebody at church, or somebody in mums and tots. And what I was doing was, rather than finishing that bit, I was putting it on pause. And then I was coming down and sorting this out. But then that didn't get finished, and I got pulled over somewhere else. And all I kept doing was putting everything on pause. And what he showed me was that I had a complete screen full of buttons that was on pause. That's not good. Because one day, what are you going to do when the pause button comes off everything? Because it won't come off individually. If you leave it, it'll come off all at once. So some of that can be hurt when people or situations have devastated us totally or people have let us down. And the other one is regret. Regret for the things we've done or regret for the things we haven't done. So let's look at the part that also is good because for every negative, there's a positive. So as we acknowledge the good things, wait a minute, I think I've lost myself. (laughs) We need to look and see the pile of rubble that is next to us. But let's look at the good parts and let's see what is the positive. We need to acknowledge where we've failed and where we've genuinely acted with integrity and faith. Because honesty with ourselves and those who we ask to help us, if you're asking somebody for help, it's no good if you're not going to be honest with them. If you're only going to tell them half the truth, they really can't help you because you're not giving them the full picture. So it never gets dealt with. So if you've got somebody that you trust and you've pulled them alongside you, really be transparent with them because it's the only way you're going to deal with it. So let's look at some of the stones. Integrity and faith can always be reusable. We need to acknowledge and accept that the situation we did, we were were in, can be changed. Not to feel ashamed about it, but to move on. So let's look at what's left to be sorted and dealt with and identify the opportunity of what the rubble is. So if we're looking at the positive as well as the negative, the negative is disappointment, but the opposite is fulfillment. Then this, the opposite of regret is hope. Then the opposite of hurt is peace. The opposite of fear is faith. And the opposite of doubt is trust. This is key in turning the rubble into the glory of God, as rubble can be put to good use. It says in 2 Corinthians 11, we will see, as Paul, who is the master disaster, as a list of experiences, but we also see that he overcame every one of them. He had peace, he was fulfilled, he had hope, and he had trust. So let's look more into more detail. Disappointment. For example, 
Instead of stumbling and falling over disappointment, we can see it and turn it into fulfillment and to use it to fill the holes that exist in our lives. Areas where perhaps we've dug our own hole through foolishness. The very best thing we can do with disappointment is to really walk on it, stamp on it, and generally pummel it in prayer. Declaring that Christ in us has overcome every disappointment we could ever have. And to move, we do that, the more we, can, we become fulfilled. Okay. So the, the key on that one is use the rubble of disappointment to create the pathway of fulfillment. Zeke, can we have the next slide? Now, one of the great things is an example. So we've got an example here. It's not come out very well, but on the left hand, on the right hand side, sorry, we see that's where Tom and, that, that is one view of where Tom and Grace live, all right? It's an, un, uh, an unadopted road, what we call in England, an unadopted road. It means the council doesn't look after it. In other words, you know, you get what you're given. And that's how it looks for part of it, right? It's just massive potholes and it's just awful. On the left, that is a, a van that belongs to one of the guys that lives directly opposite Tom. He's a builder. And what he does is he goes to somewhere he knows what has a second-hand slate and scrap slate. It's scrap. It's stuff that has been brought from houses. And what he does, and, he, and this was taken yesterday, he actually spends time filling in the potholes with the stuff that's cost him nothing, but has been rubble from other houses. Now, is, he, is there another slide on that one, or is that the only one? Yeah, I think there is another one, isn't there? Yeah. See there, that's, that's the neighbour's, that is opposite Tom's house. And the rubble there is some of the stuff he uses other than slate. And you can see... In some of those areas where the puddles are, you can just about see little bits of brick and little bits of slate where he's already done it. So he is single-handedly turning rubble into a smooth road. He is fulfilling exactly what we've just been talking about. Sure. What we can do is learn to accept the past, forgive ourselves, and then move into hope, which is the opposite of regret. And in Christ, our hope, we have the opportunity to never make the same mistake again. As you say, if you're going to make a mistake, make it a new one. Don't keep making it. It's a really old wives' tale. Use the rubble of regret to become the foundation of hope for tomorrow. It's a, a scripture sums this up brilliantly in Romans 5, 5. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his hope, with his love. Amen to that. Then there's hurt. Hurt is a part of betrayal and disappointment, and is something we all experience, as it's usually those closest to us that gives us the deepest pain. Or it becomes more intense as a result. Hurt can destroy us and we can see it for what it is. The removal of our peace. When we cut, we bleed. Or we bruise. And others will often see that we're in pain. Our body will naturally repair the damage. And give us the chance to, heal, to give, it, 
to give itself the chance to heal itself. For example, Jesus died on the cross for us for this. But if the hurt becomes very deep and you can't help it, but you keep fixating and fixating and you keep reliving the hurt, and sometimes we can do this for years and we think we've got rid of it, but we haven't, and it keeps coming and coming and coming, what happens is it becomes to the point where it's interfering with your body and it's not healing and it can actually take you out the race permanently, which is not what we want. We have to acknowledge that hurt may need somebody who, we, who is maturing God that we trust and listen and support through the process, accepting that laying down the hurt and regret and to put it and to put the rubble into the ground and stamp on it as what it deserves. This can only be done once we have consciously placed on our feet the shoes of the gospel of peace. As Ephesians tells us, once we do this, the gospel of peace upon our feet does the work and it stamps out the hurt and regret in the ground where it becomes the basis for a new peace and strength. Using the rubble of hurt to make a highway of peace. I like that bit. In Psalm 91.12, they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. I like that bit too. Okay, and that's the bit that Jesus used, of course, when he was in discussion with the enemy. Oh, that's what the devil used back. Now, if we continue to look at these, one of the big key areas, one of the big boys in this is fear, right? When you build, okay, when you're building walls, because when I see, when I see my... Uh, if you like, legacy or course. I, I do see the race because that's, that's scriptural. But I also see it as building, well, I've built, you know, Shirley and, I were, uh, Shirley and I have built our tower, our house, if you like, and then we've had the kids and we've built that. And so I see it almost like I'm, I'm building, not a tent as such, but a series of, of structures. Scripture talks about a tent. Well, this is my tent, in a way. And you can't keep on doing that we can't keep building walls without actually taking cognizance of two things. One is the cost, and the other one, what's it there for? Okay? The problem is, is that if you start building a wall and you've not really counted the cost, and you've got to get from here to there, but you've only got half of it, guess what? You're either going to build a wall half as thick, or you're, going, you're not going to do it. And then, you know, you need to be over there. You can't turn around to the enemy of your soul and say only attack this bit because I haven't finished that bit. What do you think he's going to do? He's not going to do it, is he? Mm. So you've got to count the cost. Mm. The other thing you're going to do when you're building, when you're extending your, your life out into different, into different areas as you become more mature, is you've got to look at how are you making sure that the wall is strong and it's structurally sound. Mm. Every, I, I look at castles a lot. I look at old buildings. I look at churches even. And they all have something called buttresses. A buttress is every so many feet. It depends on how high, how wide, or how deep it is. 
But nonetheless, no matter how big that wall is, it will have a buttress at some point. Now that is faith. Okay? And if you do not allow the buttress, you don't build and contend and increase your faith and put those buttresses in the right place, fear will drop them. It's a fact of life. They'll either be inadequately built, they'll be too thin, or they won't get to where they should be. And they won't connect up. So you'll have an incomplete wall. And it's a killer. Now, Scripture in Isaiah 41.10 says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. So we've got the promise if we have the faith. We need to have the faith to overcome fear, right? The faith is the seed that God gives us to overcome fear. Now, the, the way we work on this, if you actually do fail and you actually succumb to fear, then what happens is the wall gets taken down. The wall may be destroyed because of the enemy initially, like the first slide we had. But there is something that you find, if, if you watch Time Team, called a robber trench. Other people will see your wall and go, soft touch, I'm going to nick it to build my wall. So you will have put the effort and the, the time into building that wall, and someone is going to come and nick it because you're too fearful and you've gone back into your little tower and you can't do it anymore. You lose. You've lost more than what you started with. So in Phil's terminology, that's dumb. So don't do it. So there's two things. Count the cost and build with faith. If you don't, you're out. So you turn the rubble of fear into the buttresses of faith. Okay? Now, the other thing that happens, there has to be an end to a wall, right? It's either a because, you know, you can't just have a wall that goes, well, the Chinese do, but that's another story. And I, I believe the American president believes he can as well. But there has to be an end somewhere, for goodness sake. Now, what you get is you get turrets along the way, don't you? Okay. Now, a turret represents either where you're completing a wall or you just change a direction. All right? So a tower or a turret is a change of direction that completes that part of the wall. But, you know, if you are in doubt, then you will not build that tower correctly. Or you won't build it at all. Right? You'll just go, tell you what, I'm going to turn a bend here. Well, that is a point of weakness. Because you're changing the direction, you have no idea what's coming out, you're from where, and you've got no strength, and you've got no strongholds. And you don't really work right. If you doubt, now, we, when we change direction in life, I don't know about you, but there is always a doubt in my mind. Have I heard right? Is this yeah. right? So we either don't turn correctly, or we don't turn, we don't, so we turn, but we don't count the cost, and we do it wrong. And we don't build the correct structure. We don't change that direction. We don't build according to the pattern God has given us. In, my, in, in this context. So, what Proverbs says, that if you, tr- Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will 
in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. There are, there are towers, these towers and gateways. Now, when you build correctly, right, and you build with trust, you will find that these towers, which could be at a point of entrance and exit, as we see in many, many, in many castles and in many cities in biblical times, and the towers themselves are all higher. So if you build with trust, it takes you closer to God, it gives you visibility further, and it gives you visibility between towers and towers, and also between your tower and the next tower down the line in your, in your, in your like continuous wall. So if you build in trust and do not doubt, then visibility heavenwards and visibility earthwards is improved and is clear. Okay? You'll see further and go further. Now, and the other thing as well, it's a great defensive thing because you can see right along that wall and you can see whether there's anything that's wrong, whether the wall's straight, true, and integrity. Okay. The hardest part, when you find that you've not built right, or, as, as Shul said earlier, it's not your fault, you've done everything right, but it's still gone wrong. Because you can't build alone, can you? You're not building this wall on your own. They didn't do it in Nehemiah. They, I don't know a single building of any significant size that one bloke built. You're going to have to use someone else. And maybe you've done everything right, as Shul said, but they've not quite done it right. So they've used either your materials or whatever. You've paid a, good, a workman a good price and they've done it wrong. I've had that in our house. But that's another story. So that's, you've trusted them and they failed to deliver. So that, causes a com that compromises the structure and provides a weakness and job done. It's over. And you're back around with the rubble. You have to deal with the doubt that you've got. And if that happens, deal with it properly. You've got to rebuild it. If you don't rebuild it quickly and you don't get back on, as it were, back on the bike or back on the horse and continue going and get your confidence back and build with faith and build with trust, guess what? You've got a dirty great big robber trench and you ain't ever going to go in there because you'll never have the money to do it again. You cannot afford to waste time. Now, I think what we could do there, Z, next one. Hopefully it's the right one. Knowing me, it won't be. There you go. There's a tower, and you can see halfway through, you've got a buttress. They are enormously big things. Buttresses are enormously... The, the cathedrals in Britain are held up because of buttresses. Yeah. The only thing that's keeping them things going is buttresses. And they are absolutely critical, though, along with the towers, because the towers serve so many different purposes, as we said. But, so you're looking at faith, and you're looking at doubt. Or you're looking at faith, and you're looking at trust in that. Now, when you've got doubt, the hardest thing to do is to trust again, isn't it? Yeah. That's the hard trick. That's the big one. But it says in the scripture, trust in the Lord. And as you grow mature, you get that sense of discernment. Okay, so you're going to get it at the beginning. Make sure it's on the little stuff, not the big stuff. <laughs> okay, now, these are, along with doubt, you've got something called indecision. Oh, I don't know. Should I go that way? Should I do it? Oh, I don't know. This indecision can take you out just as much by not making the decision. And I think... Oh, sorry. Um, 
the thing together, it says in Scripture that if that we are stones perfectly fitted and formed together, doesn't it? That's what we are to strive for. Well, when you're younger in the faith and you don't necessarily want to work that hard or you don't want people to rub against you because you don't like it, because it hurts... The thing about it is that you get times when a, a poor builder will, quite frankly, what he'll do is he'll just put loads of mortar in, right? He won't build properly. He won't fit the stones together. So that when, if, it, if a stone, if a wall is built properly, the more pressure you put against it, the stronger it is. You look at, for example, the Eddystone Lighthouse, right? Perfectly fitted stones, the more the wind and the waves batter against it, the stronger it is. And most fortifications like we see there are similar. The built so the more pressure from the outside, the built for the pressure from the outside, not from the inside. Okay? But what people do is they don't do that. People just think when they're younger, now oh, I did it, I'm not sure what to do, so what I'll do is that'll do, uh, that kind of nearly fits, and that's not a bad fit if you look at it on a Friday when you've had a few. But what we'll do is we'll just fill it in with a bit of mortar and it'll be fine. See? Do you want to put the next slide in? This is what the mortar of indecision really looks like. That. You can't see the stones or the bricks. All you can see is the stuff that you shove around it. And guess what? You lean against it, it's going to fall over. And how many of us have seen that? That's what you get when you're in decision, right? But you've got to replace the mortar of indecision with the living stones of trust, right? So you've got to use indecision and doubt very similar, okay? Trust in the Lord. And then it's like it says in 1 Peter 2, 5, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. All right, so I finish that one now. I get on to this one. There's, there's two aspects of um, faith. This is the other aspect of faith. You know, I always just said that walls are built to withhold strength coming from the outside. Okay, right. So... Um, the bottom line is, there are defences for us, but equally, don't forget, the enemy equally builds walls as well. Right? He has the same tools. He tries Now, what he tries to do is he tries to, to get us to fight ourselves from within by using lies, by betrayal. All these things can poison us and actually can help us to break our own walls down if we're not careful. Okay? So we have to be careful not to fall for these tricks, but in fact, to use the faith we have to bring down the walls of the enemy. Because why? Because, you know, when we're talking about the people around us, when we're talking about members of our family, they've built their walls. And they're strong walls. The lies of the enemy are very strong. The deceits of the enemy are very strong, very compelling, very difficult to break. So how do you do it? You have to use what I call the hammer of faith. So it's faith again. That which makes our wall strong can bring down the walls of the enemy. Because let me tell you, if you can get one chink into the enemy's walls, the Holy Spirit will be in like a rat up a pipe and he'll be in. And the word of God will sort the rest out. It's a fact. You don't give the enemy chance to recover. How do you do that? You can only do that with the hammer of faith. If you were to get 
a wall like we've just seen and just go tap, tap with a conquer, do you think it's going to do anything? No. No, it won't do anything. You have to develop the strength in faith. You have to develop that. And you have to, that is hard. It's no question seeing it. But one of the keys as well is to be focused. Too often in life, we, we see the situations that Cheryl's talked about, about hurts and doubts and pain and hurt and betrayal. And we pray for everything all at once. It doesn't work. It's a scattergun approach. If you look at a decent castle wall, which we did, that'll withstand, you know, buckshot and it'll, dis- it'll withstand shotgun, scattershot approaches all day and all night. What it won't do is if you keep hitting the same thing again and again and again, eventually, when you are led by God into what to pray for and how to pray, it will go. He's not going to tell you to start hitting at a bit of the wall where the enemy's got the strongest buttress. He's not. He's not going to tell you to hit at the Eddystone equivalent lighthouse. He's not going to do that. He's going to tell you what he wants you to pray for. It could be something completely different than what you think. It doesn't matter. So you may have, you know, a situation where a good friend of yours looks like they've got all these problems. But the Lord says, I don't want you to pray about that. I want you to pray about salvation or I want you to pray about their mind, whatever. It could be completely alien to what we think. doesn't matter. Have faith. Trust. Don't doubt. Keep going. And develop a mindset of wealth in that area. You've got to do it. The house will only break the enemies down. I mean, my focus is Manchester. And I've seen in the spirit what that could look like. We ain't going to get there by going, do you want to let us in? We are going to have to take the walls. In the same way the enemy does. But we've got God on our side. So we shouldn't lose, ever. Okay? So we need to actually focus as the hammer of faith. Every time we go forward, don't stop. Just keep going because it says in mark eleven twenty three, i tell you the truth you can say to this mountain may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart okay that's really all i want to say about this i'm going to hand back to show Okay, so in conclusion, rubble is like life. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen a lot. But we need to learn what we can do to reuse some of the rubble and what part we give back to God to take it away. Don't fear the process. Because the more you get used to dealing with the rubble, the better you become at at reducing how much rubble you have. Because rubble is all around us. You just can't get rid of it. It's always there. But the more you allow God in to show you your rubble, 
the quicker you can deal with it and the faster you move on onto other areas that he wants you to do. So before I pass over to Pastor Tony, what I would like us to do is to stand up right now. And I really want you to ask God to show you what rubble you have. And as you're asking him to show you what rubble you have, also ask him to show you what is reusable and what you need to give him to take away. So I really like us right now to just engage in the spirit. Let's just get our spirit man flowing. Let's just get it going. Come on, guys. Let's just get that spirit flowing. Oh, kiri alaba kandola ba soko yandola mabaya. Kaya alaba ba soko ba shiki yandola ba saya. Kaya alaba ba koda ba soko yanda. Oh, kori alaba handa alaba siki alaba koshiro ba yanda. Oh, kola ba yandola ba ba saka yandola ba ya. Kori yandola ba soko koshaka yandola ba. Kaya, come on, guys. Really encourage you to get connected. Get your spirit flowing. Kira Baba Sukara, thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Kiri Arabokoda Basakayandolaboyo. Daya Labakandalaba Sukoria. Father God, we pray that as we go into this next week, that Lord God, you will show us the rubble. We've all got rubble. There's no shame in rubble. We've all got it. And I pray, Father God, that you show every single one of us this next week what rubble we need to give back to you for to take away, for us to trample on, stand and crush it to the floor and use it to the pathway of peace so that we keep on running the race. And we pray, Lord God, that you will show us what rubble is reusable because it's far more that is reusable than what isn't. And I just thank you, Father God, right now that you just reveal this to every single one of us over this next week. And that, Lord God, if we need to draw alongside somebody, that will help us to encourage us to see it. Lord God, let us be transparent with one another. Let us be transparent with one another, Lord God, so that we can deal with it once and for all. Trample it on the ground. Stamp on it where it should be. Where it should be, because, Lord God, the enemy will just rob, steal, and destroy. But you tell a different story. So we pray, Lord God, that we see the rubble that is reusable and we see the rubble that we can give to you, that we tramp on our feet and that we can walk in that pathway of peace that keeps us running in the race. Oh, Father God, we ask and pray. And the people of God said, Amen. Rubble is everything. Rubble is in everyone's life. And um, you know, the Lord said to us last year, build a family. Make it strong. And every family has rubble in it. Every family has rubble. We know that for a start. But you know, you deal with rubble first in the spirit. You deal with rubble first in the spirit. And I'm a great believer that when you pray about things, you water the ground. You can't just go in and pull something weeds up. You'll destroy people and you destroy a lot of things. But if you pray about things, it shows God that you're really concerned and it waters the ground. And then at the right time, you can just have the right conversation. And it's almost like they just volunteer. So you must pray about things you see. 
Now, the good thing about a church, I love this about a church, is that we can all, to some small degree, to a, a, a greater degree, we can all see the rubble in each other's lives. Now, if we're a praying church, that means you've got no chance. Think about this. If I see Eric, as he catches my eye line now, if I see Eric and I instantly I sense in the spirit something's not right and I start praying for Eric, guess what? Eric's, Eric's going to be divinely encountered. Right? God's going to intervene in the affairs of Eric's life. So if, that's why it says, you know, if you pay attention and you prefer others and you pray for others, then what you don't know is what you're struggling with, someone else is secretly praying for you. So that, that's how God picks the weeds up in the garden. And that's why we should pray for one another and prefer one another. And that's how the rubble gets moved piece by piece. And that's how God then begins to make a smooth road for the church. A highway in Zion. Amen? So a lot of your prayer should be for others more than just for yourself. I'm not saying don't pray for yourself. That's not what I'm saying. But praying for others is good because it shows the Lord that you're concerned about others. Now, if somebody's praying for you and you're praying for somebody else, it's a win-win. Amen? And that's how we'll see the rubble removed. Amen? Because in Nehemiah says, as, as the guys have already said, they couldn't get carry on because of the rubble. And many cannot carry on, and it says the laborers were giving way. So they were workers, laborers. So rubble is a big issue in today's life. So Father, we thank you right now for the word that has been sown in the spirit. For some people, there's a buttress coming. There's a change of direction. God is averting you away from the, your origin. God's uh, averting you away from your past, from your disaster, from your reasons, your excuses, your complaints, your hindrances, your containments, your limitations. God is redirecting your past and God is creating a future for you. This morning, the Lord is about to do that. He's going, he's going to every family. And God is about to start shifting the family in a whole new dimension. Your family's going to change. People are going to change in your family. And all of a sudden, you're going to see your family going in a completely different way. This is how God moves in our midst. So, Father, we thank you for the word. Because first of all, the word must come. The word becomes the seed that we sow into the spirit and we pray about. So, Father, right now, every family... In this house, we bring under heaven. And we say, Father, rebuild the walls and destroy some walls in order to rebuild some walls. Use the materials in the, rest in the restoration, recycle, reuse, Father, in order to restore. So, Father, we can come into destination. We can come into destiny. Father, I pray over every family, over every child, over every adult and every youth. Father, the rebuilding of the walls. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said? Amen. Amen. Let's thank God. Let's thank God for Shirley and Andy this morning. Let's thank God for the word. Hopefully, there were re Hopefully you felt the joy of the resource. There will be others who will join alongside us. Why? Because this is the pattern. Amen. Okay, we'll have a great week.